Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Hope everybody had a great weekend because we are in for an absolute treat on this Monday show with an all-time guest. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at PewterReport.com. It is SR Scott Reynolds. And without further ado, the guest of the hour, Bucks Ring of Honor member, the team record holder in career interceptions, game started, and a number of other records, including non-offensive touchdowns. He's also the only member of the 4520 Club. He's a 2023 NFL Hall of Fame inductee. And Buccaneers legend, we are honored to have on the show, Rondé Barber. Rondé, how are you doing? What's up, guys? How are you, man? I'm great. I'm uh, anxiously awaiting uh, two weeks from now, but yeah, uh, things are well. I'm doing really well. I'm going to be out there at your Hall of Fame induction, Rondé. Pewter Report's going to be covering it live from Canton. And it's such an honor to have you here for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're my favorite Buccaneer of all time. I make no bones about that. Uh, covered every minute of your Buccaneer career as I started in 95, and uh, and you came aboard in 1997. The other reason is we have had a slew of Buccaneer guests this summer, all of which have been on the offensive side, except for yeah. Jose Ramirez. <laughs> we had Dave Canales. We had Brad Idzik. We had uh, Rashad White. We had Cody Mock. We had Lugetiki. Payne Durham. Yeah. So thank you as a defensive player from one defensive guy to another for joining the Pew Report podcast. So the only defensive person you've had on this podcast is a six-round draft pick out of Eastern Michigan. Is that what Emba- you're talking? embarrassed this to summer. say? Yes. Yeah. And so you have you have elevated this this we summer's had to even guest the playing list. field. Get a uh, Hall of Famer, uh, yeah. Bucks legend. We had to uh, even the the playing field I'm, a little bit. I'm not going to discount what Jose Mar- um, Ramirez might become. But <laughs> right. I mean, this is a little step up. But. We needed you, Rondé, and and you always deliver. So thank you, uh, and and we're going to get right to it. Uh, Matt, fire away. Let, let's get this yeah, guy Ronde, into the Hall of Fame. You going to the Hall of Fame, uh, well-deserved, long overdue. Just your feelings right now, what it means to you to make the Hall of Fame, and how cool is it that your brother Tiki is going to be the one inducting you? Well, I don't I don't think I had a choice with that, Matt. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if I would have like, asked uh, uh, like my roommate from my first year of work if he could you know, yeah. present me to the Hall of Fame, it would have been like uh, I would have got kicked out of my own family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very cool that Tiki gets to be part of this. I mean, essentially, 
I mean, we're the same, obviously. Yeah. Two different players, two different people now, certainly much more so than when we were, were younger. But, you know, we shared a womb, man. We were one egg, <laughs> we were one egg split. And uh, uh, what we both became was pretty special. So um, to have him be part of this is, is all I could ask for, really. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't – I honestly didn't think – two seconds about it if if i would have got past two seconds then it would have been a problem it was yeah. who's going to present you tiki um yeah. and uh I'm, I'm i'm happy that he'll be there. he's always been there for me so yeah. uh, i would do the same for him and i, th I think you guys know you, you know me well enough scott over yeah. the years. you know how close tiki and i oh yeah they are even though we are very different um yeah close we are as brothers and and uh and uh what we brought to this game together is probably might be mentioned in my speech. Yeah, <laughs> no <laughs> doubt, no doubt, Rondé. Uh, let's take a look at your your illustrious career here, and I was absolutely honored to cover, like I said, every minute of it. And uh, this this is a Hall of Fame career. There's no doubt. Um, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Bucks Ring of Honor member, 16 seasons as a Buccaneer, the longest tenured Buccaneer player of all time. I don't know that that's going to be touched for a while. I mean. Yeah. You know, luck luck always plays a role with injuries, but you were a tough SOB for so many of those years. Uh, most games played 241, most career starts 232. That's the third most by an NFL defensive back. Most career starts 215 consecutively, seventh longest in, in the NFL. 47 interceptions, that's a Bucks team record. You shattered Donnie Abrahams. I mean, he had a pretty good lead on you, and you shattered it. <laughs> 28 sacks, the only player in the 40-25 club in that distinction. 1,432 tackles, second most behind only Derek Brooks. 14 non-offensive touchdowns, that's the fourth most in NFL history. Five all-pro uh, teams, five Pro Bowl berths, nine defensive Player of the Week awards in the NFC. You were the Bucks Man of the Year one year, the Ed Block Courage Award winner. Which one of those superlatives stick sticks out to you the most? Which one are you the most proud of? I don't know. Um, they're all amazing and not really ever what I set out to do. It just kind of started accumulating, and um, I, I have a I have a pretty unique, you know, history with the Bucks. Obviously, playing sixteen years, one place, which doesn't happen, probably yeah. won't happen again. Mm -hmm. um, so those numbers are somewhat skewed by the fact that uh you know i was following some legends uh in tampa and yeah. sap and brooks and lynch and other than brooks nobody finished their career here right um, so um i knew all i had to do was play one more year than he did and i was going to get <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so there, there's there's some of that but you know, you know, the one that's not mentioned very often and, you know, the touch non-offensive touchdowns is, is out there pretty well because I was mm -hmm. the only one that wasn't ever a returner, even though I do have two special teams plays for touchdowns. That's right. Including um, your first one, which was actually a block punt return for a touchdown a against the Bears. Punt. Well, a block punt, Scott, let me correct yeah. you, a block punt that went over the line of scrimmage. That's so right. It's technically a punt return. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was a block in that Peter. In that actually, it's the game that on the on the on the promo. Yeah. Uh, you had in the, in the Peter. Right there. One right there. there you um, go. Uh, against uh, Green Bay. Um, but so that one that that stat's pretty much out there. You know. Yeah. With, with uh, Devin Hester, Dion, 
and uh, Rob Woodson are the ones yeah. ahead of me. The one that that it keeps, you know, resonate with me is the nine defensive players of the, of the week awards. And yeah, I think only Ray Lewis. There's one other person. I, I'm 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 blanking on who it is right now. Right. There's only one other player in history that has that many really player of the week awards. And um, I think it speaks to, you know, being able to step out in any particular game yeah, and be the guy and yeah. be, and be, you know, when you're needed, needed or count needed to be counted upon. Yeah. I was there a lot of times. Um, and it really doesn't feel like it was that many, but uh, you go back and look at some of the games that I had and you're like, okay, yeah, he should have been that week. And that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, a league wide accomplishment. You know, there's, yeah. there's 16 other teams in our division with a guy trying to get that, get that designation. So um, that one, that one's pretty unique, but all of them are pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. I, like I said, let's, let's go back to 1997, Scott. Yeah. And uh, you tell me, any one of those numbers would have been touched and you oh. would have said, hell no, no way. Absolutely <laughs> not. And and not from you in 1997 either, my friend. Right. No, well, <laughs> no. You, you didn't have the best rookie season, Roddy. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the show, but, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it's been an illustrious career and we're just so excited for you to get into the, the hall of fame. I'm uh, I'm excited to be there. I can't wait for it to be over. To be honest with you, I, yeah, I, I can't wait for it to be over. She's been doing all the planning. Yeah, uh, God bless the, Claudia. Yeah, yeah, man. Four hundred plus people showing up to this cool. game. Um, I think it's maybe the most ever. I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it's go- going to be a very exciting event, nonetheless. And Rondé, before you were talking about some of uh, the other uh, Bucks defensive players that that, that you've worked with, uh, you also got to play alongside uh, a lot of talented cornerbacks as well, whether it's Donnie Abraham, Dwight right. Smith, Akeem Tlaib, Brian Kelly. Uh, if you're playing one more snap in a critical situation, who's the other cornerback you want lined up <laughs> alongside you? And on the flip side, you played a lot of great quarterbacks in your career. Right. Who was the quarterback you were most eager to, you know, get an interception on or, or sack that quarterback? That's uh, most eager to get a South star with that first pass. Cause that second, that first question is going to be hard to answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, who was I most eager? I mean, I, I mean, the obvious answer is Donovan McNabb. I mean, he threw me three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say. Great chemistry. Right. Right. We got along great. Yeah. Um, um, I would say the one I most wanted to play against were the better, were the best ones. I mean, I love lining it up against um, uh, Peyton Manning, which I only did a couple of times in my career. I did yep. intercept him for a touchdown, though. You did, um, yeah. Um, but early in my career, man, Brett Favre was the best quarterback I'd ever seen. The way he yeah. played the game, the moxie that he had, and the, the energy, and the uh, I don't know, the the abandon with which he played really uh, is how I view the way quarterback was played at that time. And so I love playing against him. When we left the North, it was kind of bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you guys felt the same way, especially yeah. Scott. He was like tired of losing to these dudes. Yeah. Um, but, Just when you guys got good, you left. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, but I remember going uh, back to, uh, and playing uh, uh, against him, uh, which would be which, uh, in the year, which was his last year at Green mm-hmm. Bay yeah. before he went to uh, onto the Jets. Right. And, and uh, talking to him after the game, and obviously he was a veteran. I was young when I got when we were playing against each other. But there was a lot of respect there, and I didn't realize that he had as much respect for me as as I had for him. And that was that was that was, it, it was really telling to me 
yeah. uh, how far my career had come. Um, but I, I love playing against him. Now that first yeah. question, Matt, dude, why you, why you put me out there like that? <laughs> the people want to know. It's not That's just right. Scott and I. Everyone wants I'll to know. This way. Well, let me give you a quick history lesson. And you guys know this. And yeah. Scott, you started in 95. You know this because yeah. Donnie was drafted in 1996. That's right. The year ahead of me is a third-round draft pick. Yep. And instant success for him. Yeah, yeah. Five interceptions. Still right. a rookie record for right. a Bucks defensive back today. Right. And but you said I passed him in, in interceptions. By the yeah. time he left Tampa, which was – Let's see, six, seven, eight, nine. Two thousand one. So yeah. he had thirty-one interceptions. Yeah, it took me sixteen years to get to only sixteen more than him. That's right. I think that yeah. speaks to the type of player that he was. Yeah, I think he was a little underappreciated here, yeah. somewhat. So, um, yeah. um, But that also speaks to what Brian Kelly became. Right, as a player. Um, now, who was my favorite to play with? I mean, I won a Super Bowl with Brian Kelly. Yeah. I understand what that guy was and I understand what he went through. We went through a lot of it together because yeah. we um, uh, we were in competition, man. Um, yeah. He was he, drafted because you didn't do very well as a rookie. I mean, he's been right. a, a second round pick in 1998. Right. Because of your rookie season in 1997 as a third round pick, right? I don't know if people will admit that in the front office, but that's exactly what it, mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly what it was. Yeah. They drafted him to be uh, uh, a better version of what, what they had on the roster. Yeah. And it fueled both of us. Yeah, it um, really did. There's yeah. no question that I got the best out of myself. And I think Brian would say the same. He got the best out of himself yeah. because of our internal competition. And then we started mm -hmm. for six years after that. Yeah. Um, then he leaves and goes to Detroit and Akib comes in, and I'm not going to lie, Akib is the most talented corner I've ever played against. Yeah. Played. Mm -hmm. um, his skill set was so much different than mine, really even different than BK's and, and Donnie's. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you had, if you asked me which one of those guys I would I would want to line up with right now, it would mm -hmm. be the guy I play with the longest, and that's yeah. I, yeah. I, just, I love BK. Donnie's my guy for sure. Akib's yeah. my dude. I, I, I taught a lot to Akeem over the years that we were together. And he'll even say that. I was a great mentor to him. Yeah. Going through what me and Brian went through together, I think that ties us at the hip, man. Yeah. It's, it's not a cop-out answer, but it's- No, best, right? it, it is, because right. you, you covered all the bases. Interestingly enough, you led the NFC in interceptions in 2001. Right. And the that forced- the, the NFL, that's right. What do you have, 11 that year? I had 10. Yeah. 10, okay, 10. I, I was going to give you a bonus one, but you said 10. Okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. But the thing is, is the next year during your Super Bowl season, all, all the attention went to BK because quarterbacks were staying away from you. And to his credit, he delivered. He led the, the NFC in the interceptions NFL. that year. The yeah, NFL, okay. Yeah, he was. He, he did what I did the year That's right. following and got none of the accolades. Didn't make yeah. a Pro Bowl, didn't make an All-Pro. Yeah. Um, but y'all made a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, we did. We, you know, we did what we were, surprise. Yeah. We were yeah. supposed to do. But, um, you know, those years, us taking the ball away during those late 90s, early 2000s, I, I mean, I look at interception totals in the league now. Yeah. We, we crushed them. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's all we did was take the ball away. Score yeah. or take the ball away. That was our goal. Score or get the ball back for your offense. Uh, that was our mantra. We did that better than anybody for for a good amount of time we, we got a quick question here from mark fisher all right who who do you think wins the battle of the super bowl teams this is all fiction it can't it can't possibly happen because uh, of two different 
time eras here, but the 2002 Bucks and the 2020 Bucks, your defense Ooh. versus Tom Brady's offense. We would have found a way to we would have found a way to handicap the best quarterback of all time. We would have found a way. I, I, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what it would have been, but yeah. we would have we would have found a way. You probably would have sacked him too, right? I'm sure I'm sure Monty yeah. would have sent you on an, on a, a nickel blitz, right? Well, you see it, it, not only that's what happened with Charles Woodson, right? In in the snow game. Yeah, Charles that's right. That game. Yeah. Changed the trajectory of many, many careers. Exactly. Well, not only could we blitz with, you know, extra defensive backs and linebackers, whatever, our front four was just so good. I mean, you just yeah. you didn't know whether or not we were bringing five or six, or we were just going to drop and bring four. And if you dropped and bring, brought four, you had to deal with Sapp and Simeon up front. And, yeah. And uh, Greg Spires and Chuck Darby during that Super Bowl run because Anthony McFarlane was hurt. But, you know, we had we had plenty of ways to harass quarterbacks and it made yeah. our job pretty, pretty easy on the back end. Yeah. Well, when you uh, when when you look at at some of the the more amazing receivers that you've had a chance to cover, I mean, going back to the, the Randy Moss, Chris Carter, Jake Reed days with the Vikings, yeah. we're talking the NFC North here, Herman Moore. Yeah. Calvin Johnson replaced him in Detroit. Terrell Owens. Man. You were even a suffered, uh, assigned to cover uh, Tony Gonzalez yeah. uh, <laughs> in, in the slot by Raheem. Uh, right. So who was the toughest guy, I'll say wide receiver, tight end, whoever, right. that you had to face? Well, Tony Gonzalez matchup just wasn't fair. I don't know what they were <laughs> yeah. I, I think they thought I could outmaneuver him. I can yeah. use my quicks to beat him. But it, reality is if I didn't like jump into his chest at the line of scrimmage and stop him right there, like it was no chance. Yeah. Uh, ironically, I had played against – I remember playing against Tony when he was in Kansas City. Um, uh, I forget what year that was. But uh, he had – I had a pass interference against him at a crucial time. And then later mm -hmm. in the game, he had a pass interference against me because he because he's just so much bigger than me. Yeah, like, yeah. He yeah. manhandled me. And I wasn't even trying. Um, so that one's not fair. So I'm not going to count that one. Uh, but the hardest was by far Randy Moss. I mean, yeah. my, my second year, 1998, uh, poor Floyd Young. You remember that name? Oh yeah. He had a bad day against Randy Moss, and it was yeah. it was a harbinger of things to come in his first right. game as a pro. And it, it it never eased up. You know, every time I played Randy, it was the same thing. It was. Yeah. What are you going to do to try to stop yeah. him? Try to size and speed with that guy. Size, speed, and his length, man. Yeah. I remember. I remember I tell this story a lot and I, I joke with Monty uh, about it. We were playing uh, Minnesota. They were dead going into the red zone. He scored mm -hmm. a touchdown, obviously. It was like a yeah. ball that went out out here. And we're playing man to man and I covered him perfectly. I just lost like the ball hits him, one hands it, look turns around, looks at me, like, what are you doing, little fella? And I go to the <laughs> sideline, I'm like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, how do I right. stop? Exactly. Uh, he he was by far the biggest challenge. I mean, Steve Smith was a pain in my ass. Yeah, he yeah. was just Carolina. God, he was a pain, man. He was he was like me. He was willing to outwork you. Yeah. Um, and all you really wanted to do was stay on his good side. If you right. got Steve upset, and Brian Kelly got him upset a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you got him, <laughs> he was he was gonna he was gonna show you why he was the best. Um, so he. Yeah. He was one of the tougher ones too, but it's Randy. It's it's easily Randy. Calvin Johnson's a monster. Yeah, but he didn't have the, he didn't have the offensive weapons to help him. He didn't have the quarterback. Right. Uh, Randy in his prime was just stupid. Yeah, just yeah. unreal. He puts the hand up, calls for it, and right. you know he's uh 
he's going for it. But yeah, it, and I was going to say, Ronnie, real quick, uh, just so we don't upset the Pewter Report readers and listeners and viewers, our Pewter people, as we call them. We do this thing every Monday. We'd love for you to be a part of it today because uh, it's a Monday at 420. We always do this little thing called Roll Call. Where are you at, Peter people? Rondé in the house doing a roll call for us. I love it. Love All right. You know the drill, Peter people. We want to hear where you guys are watching and tuning in from. So for the next couple minutes, Matt's going to ask Rondé a great question. And, uh, and I'm going to be putting up where you guys are watching the show from. So uh, go ahead and put up those, those locations. and. In. The chat, we love our pewter people. Here it's a go. fun way we interact with everyone because we have great fans all over, like we were talking about, from Florida to international as well. But the question I have for you, Rondé, obviously you have the signature play, the 92-yard pick six against the Eagles to uh, send the Bucks to the Super Bowl, which you ended up winning, of mm -hmm. course. If that's the signature play, the number one play in your career, we all know and love it. Right. What's your second most favorite play mm -hmm. of your career? Oh, that's a good one. Um, there's too many to choose from, to be honest with you. And, and, and honestly, it's it's probably, well, it could be two. Um, uh, my second favorite one would be my third interception against Aaron Brooks. The second, Third out of six. Third out of six. So yeah. the second time I intercepted him three times. Uh, if you remember, yes. it was, uh, we were playing New Orleans uh, at LSU. That, right, in Baton Rouge. That's right. right. Yeah, They were uh, displaced because of Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. And it, I had two interceptions in that game already. And they were driving at the end of the game to win mm -hmm. the football game. They were yeah. gonna win. If they scored, they won. Yeah. And Aaron tr tried me through the seam. Uh, I was playing man-to-man -man in the slot, and I turned around at the last second and picked this ball off out of kind of out of nowhere. It hit, like hit me, it was getting ready to hit me in the back of the head. I turned around <laughs> and picked it off, uh, and that was ball game. And my uh, my roommate from college actually happened to be in the stands that game, mm -hmm. and uh, he told me he's like, "Hey, if you get two interceptions, make sure you give me a ball." Right? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I got the third one and I forgot. I completely forgot. And he was right. kind of towards the front. So I took that ball and whatever the stands and I threw it to him. Some other dude caught it. I was like, no, give it to him. Give it oh to him. Oh my Jay. gosh. And, uh, and he did. So, uh, it was, there was a lot of reasons it was my favorite, but, uh, yeah, Aaron obviously was my quarterback my last year at Virginia. So I had a feel for him. He got him three times twice. So that was, that's number two little bit of uh, bragging rights and you seem to have a penchant for really closing games out and really putting the the knife into the the heart of the uh the opponent that you're facing do you remember like with that touchdown you scored against the eagles just the, i can only imagine because you know tv has changed so much now they right. always like to get the the view of like the fan that just saw their team go through heartbreak do you remember yeah. just like the agony on on the on the faces of Eagles fans after he scored the touchdown? Right. I wasn't I wasn't paying too much attention to them. I wanted to flick them off. They were so <laughs> rude, man. Before the game, we were and we were warming up. The defensive backs were warming up in that corner where I was running to, and I I wanted to say and gesture everything I could to tell them to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Them, but I didn't. I obviously I was because you're a class guy. I was right more now. classy with my gesture. Yeah. Until I got to the sideline, of course. But yeah, right. 
Um, but well, your, your gesture was this, right, on the way to the end zone. With it was that, the only that, time, Scott. It was the first time I did it. Um, it was the first time I had done that in a game. And mm-hmm. it's the only time I did it with my left hand. Yeah. Because I, because I was I, – I subsequently always put the ball in my left hand to deal with my right hand. But right. I just, it was the moment. And yeah. it just – it just got me. And yeah. I don't know if doing that, this is funny. I don't know if doing that actually made me score more, but I feel like every time I touched the ball after that, I was yeah. like, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> That's so true. I don't know if it's a precursor or right. what, but uh, it, it tended to work out for me. Yeah, it certainly did. Uh, let, let me ask you this about, um, uh, you know, you're in, in the Buck Spring of Honor. You're you're obviously in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's not a Hall of Famer, but can we get Hardy Nickerson in the Buck Spring of Honor? Right. Yeah. Like, do you have yeah. some pull with the lasers? Can we make right. that happen? Right. It's overdue I, now. I I agree. Um, and, and I'm not saying what they should or should not do. That's yeah. not the way I'm presenting this. But Hardy Nickerson taught me more about football in two two years than I ever imagined. Because that 97 year that we'll talk about obviously yeah um i was i i didn't know how to be a pro hardy taught me how to be a pro just by watching him go to work every day you know the manner in which he approached his job how serious he took his prep uh and then just the, the energy that um he provided on a day-to-day basis like he was never different there was not uh, a monday to saturday right where he didn't look exactly the same when he yeah. came to work um, and then he had on, a skull on his face. That's how he looked. Right. right. And then on like, Sunday, he turned into a freaking maniac. But right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> right. the point. El Dragon. Right. His work week uh, was professional, man. And I, I know that Derek gets a lot of credit for our leadership, but mm-hmm. he, he took that from Hardy. Yeah. He took a lot of that from I Hardy. I think Lynch and, and Sap did too. I mean, I, I, I think I think you, you know, we, we look at, at the Mount Rushmore of Buccaneers and you're there with 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 Brooks and Sapp and in Selman right now, in my opinion, you know, and and I think John's kind of climbing the mountain too, but you're more accomplished. I'm just being honest. I love John to death, right? But but in my in my reality, it's it's you four. Selman, Sap Barber, and Brooks right now with you getting in the Hall of Fame. Right. And and I think that that I'm not saying without Hardy, you guys don't become who you are, but I know without Hardy you you guys probably lack a little something and right. it, it might have taken longer yeah, for for you know for for you guys to come together right well i mean i think uh leadership is not always learned and natural sometimes mm-hmm. you, you follow um and I, I followed his leadership example and we all did we, yeah. we couldn't help but to <laughs> you it, had no choice of that the guy. intensity was yeah not anything that that's describable really. I mean, to put in words, what he was is unbelievable. I mean, he played in three other cities, four other cities, right? I think he played three other teams. Um, You know, perhaps that's their thinking, but when you think about, you know, seminal parts of what made the fabric of those Buccaneer teams, great Hardy was at the center of it. There's no question about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more question about just the Hall of Fame and all-time greats. Who's going to be the next Buccaneer to get into the Hall of Fame after you? Is it Simeon Rice? Is it Mike Evans? Who's next? Yeah. Um, it should be Simeon. Um, I mean, I can make an argument for Mike Allstott. 
because um, he was so unique uh, and so different. Uh, his mm-hmm. numbers won't scream at it because, you know, he was a fullback uh, masquerading as a running back, masquerading as a fullback, right? masquerading as an everything kind of back. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it should be Simeon. Simeon was he's got 122 career sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got more than DeMarcus Ware, who's going in, in with me in my class. Yeah. Um, you know, people might say he wasn't the complete player, but you know what? We paid him to sack quarterbacks, and he did. I mean, he could have easily been the MVP of Super Bowl uh, yeah. 37. There's no question about it. Dexter obviously deserved it. Yeah. Uh, Dexter had the game. And Dwight Smith, too, right? You know, well, yeah, Dwight, <laughs> Eric, for that matter. Yeah, right. Yeah. But when you go back and watch that game, if you watch it critically, you see why we were oh, yeah. doing what we were doing. It was because of 97. Yeah. There's no question about that. Um, so, uh, would I like to see him get more in the conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, I think eventually people will realize just the type of impact that, that he had, um, you know, really being a one dimensional guy. Yeah. Put him in here. He's going to rush the damn passer on your right. left tackle. And if you slide a guy over there, he's going to swim that guy and right. still get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, yeah. And when you do that, you're leaving Warren Sapp wide open one on one. And, He's going to say, I mean, it, it, it went so hand in hand, it, it, it's, it's glossed over a little bit, but he was a heck yeah. of a player for us. So if it's, if it's anybody from that area, era, I think it's, it's him. The next one, it probably is Mike. Yeah. It's, and it, it's cool to have an offensive guy come in, right? I mean, it'd be yeah. the first offensive member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the hall of fame. Right. It's, it's, I mean, his career, I mean, not that he can, just stop now and say, right. Oh, favor. Uh, I mean, it takes unprecedentedness to get to that level, uh, especially in the minds of people that, uh, I mean, Mike's only had success for three years and they were three years, uh, uh, team success for three yeah, years. Right. When and Tom, were, it, was, it was only those years when Tom was here. So he'll, he'll probably have that against him. Yeah. You know, it, what Mike, I, I hope does this year or next year when, and while he's still here, uh, is elevate this team, you know, to a position of power yeah. without Tom Brady. Then right. you start saying, all right, all right, it's inevitable. This guy yeah. is who everybody says that he is. He is what his numbers tell you he is. Right. Uh, because he's unprecedented. He, he, he gets he gets left out of the conversation at top receiver yeah. because he doesn't have the flashy, uh, the, the flashy like metrics. Not right. even yeah. numbers. You don't have the flashy metrics that yeah. those guys have. Speed, the jumping ability, you know, uh, playing in a high octane uh, type of setting. Yeah. The yards after catch. Right. All those you don't have yeah. that. But like when you look at impact on a game. Yeah. I, I mean, I've watched it for nine years. It's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's special. Uh, Here's the crazy thing. He's not even 30. He turns 30 next month in August. Okay. Yeah. And and I, th- I think we all believe he could probably play four years at, at a high level after that. Yep. So if you pencil in four 1,000-yard seasons, four more, right, of, of what he's already been doing, 1,000 yards, not not 1,200 yards, just 1,000 yards. Right. That puts him at over 14,000, close to 14,500 yards, and it makes him the number 10th uh, all-time wide receiver um, right. uh, be behind only Marvin Harrison. And then he would be ahead of Reggie Wayne. Right. Then he's a top 10 wide receiver. I know. Right. I know. And, and I, I, I look about the impact that he's, uh, that he's had on this, on the team. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're not the same team without him. Take no, it no. Out, of the, out of the equation. <laughs> we're not the yeah. same 
team, man. Uh, he's just he's he's a difference maker, and I think people don't give him credit for being a downfield fast guy. I, I've seen him run by people that are two tenths of a second faster on on the on the stop clock. Yeah, so it's just it's just who he is. I think um, people in the game know and respect what he brings to the game. And defensive coordinators certainly know who the hell he right. is. They're like, we're stopping that dude. If we don't account for that dude, he's going to beat us. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I think that says about all you can for him. And I think he stays on his on this path. I mean, it's going to be inevitable that they that he'll be in that conversation. And ultimately, Scott, I mean, I've obviously been through the six years of my eligibility, yeah. trying to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All you really want to do is be in the conversation. Yeah, it, it forces everybody to look at you critically. Yeah, and then if the presenter gets it right, thank you, Ira. Yeah, good job, uh, Ira. <laughs> when he gets it right, yeah, uh, you get in. Yeah. and I think when you look at Mike Evans critically, when it's all said and done, it, his numbers are going to be ineffable. Right. Yeah, especially I think too. You mentioned it before a little bit. Just all the different quarterbacks that he worked with. It wasn't like he was just with. One yeah. guy. He went through so many different phases of his yes. career. So first he can touchdown do it. from Mike Lennon. Yeah. Mike so Lennon, if dude. he can do it again with whoever's the quarterback this yeah. season, I think that you know goes and adds to his Hall of Fame resume a lot. But for your Hall of Fame career, Ronde, you had a lot of uh, position coaches that helped Perfect. you get to you know where you are today. You know Herm Edwards, Mike Tomlin, Jimmy Lake, to uh, name a few. Raheem as well. What is something that you kind of took from one of them or all of them that really? instilled in you how to you know perform at the highest level in the nfl i think you presented that backwards matt i don't know if you know <laughs> this but every time they work with me they went on to future success <laughs> that's right true. that's a, yeah <laughs> i stand corrected <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> no i had i uh i mean ironically i had four head coaches out of my db yeah which is it's it's nuts it's 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 un, it's unreal um, Jimmy yeah. Lake being the most recent one at University yeah. of Washington, it's Raheem cool. here in Tampa, Mike Tomlin obviously still with the Steelers, mm -hmm. right? Herm Edwards, you know, it, it, Jets. it was the Jets. coach Rashad White a little bit at Arizona State, so You're right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I was fortunate and you know, to come in my first year and have a, a, a position coach, um, who would who had played in the league, and honestly, I didn't know much about her until I got here. and mm -hmm started researching obviously he played way he i mean he was playing before yeah. i was really even into football um but to have a guy that could lend some experience about what it was the struggle my first year in the in the in the league that, that was important um and and herm wasn't so much so on the x's and o's and technique and perfecting your craft but he was a hundred percent about teaching you how to be a professional yeah and that, that first year, if there's anything that I learned that year, it was that. And it was from him. And obviously, mm -hmm. I had a great room. I had some good vets in my room. Lynch was yep. in the room, obviously. Um, but, it, but it was her. And he, all, he never never wavered in his confidence that I would figure it out. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though I didn't play at all that first year, um, I played the last game of that season. I yeah. started up there game, in Green Bay. Yeah. Up in Green Bay in our playoff game. And I played well. And it yeah. was a springboard. Uh, to what happened um, in 98 and, and beyond. Um, yeah. I will say my my favorite coach, uh, and Raheem's my best friend. Uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He is right. very still, very much still my best friend. And um, Jimmy Lake, great friends as well. Yeah. But Mike Tomlin set me apart from, from the rest. Um, yeah. And for a lot of reasons. 
um, I was already well on my way to, you know, establishing myself and finding my, my niche, but he, he challenged me to be something more than I thought that I could be. Uh, and he did it right away. Like the first meeting, I'll, I'll give you a backstory. I was a free agent that year. Um, nobody wanted me. Rich McKay told me to go, <laughs> go, uh, go test your value on the market. Right. Uh, Seahorn got paid that year. Ray Buchanan got paid big time that year. And I was like the third or fourth, you know, corner that year. And I ended up back in Tampa for half of what they made. Right. Yep. Uh, but Mike T when he, he obviously Herm left to go to New, New, New York that year, Mike yep. T to come in while I was a free agent to take his place. And we went out to dinner, me and, and uh, Claudia and, and Mike and his wife, Kia. Mm -hmm. And, we had this conversation and it, it, it kind of changed the way I viewed myself as a player. Uh, wow. And I don't really even thinking back knew what I thought of myself as a player before that. I think mm -hmm. I just thought I was holding on. I was, right. I was just trying to make it, man. Yeah. See how long I can make it. See how long I can make it. Uh, um, but he challenged me to be way better than my expectations of oh, myself. Yeah. And that year I was, and it was individual work. It was, daily training drills that we did that you know would become routine over the mm -hmm. years uh and he transformed me into a guy that led the league in interceptions that year that's right and became uh kind of a, a prototype for a position that we were kind of quasi creating during yeah. that time yeah um and then joe barry was the linebacker coach i worked that's a right. lot with him on my nickel stuff right um Cause you were really kind of like a linebacker. I was, I know? was, I was Derek's counterpart yeah. when I played inside. In fact, Derek and I created this system where it's, when they changed offensive strengths, we changed defensive strengths, but we had to change positions. And instead of resetting everybody else, we mm -hmm. just knew each other's jobs. Wow. And so mm -hmm. it was, it was an evolution of a of a position, and other coaches have since been like, "How did y'all do that?" And we're like, "Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just kind of one hall of famer to another, yeah. you know." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of made it up, and then said, "Hey, Derek, what's your job here?" Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your job here? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Do that, do that. And um, it, those years were when I took off. That's that's when I became the player that we all kind of know and love now. Yeah. But, uh, that happened that those years, and uh, I give Mike 100 percent of the credit for that. Yeah. I remember uh, putting you on the cover of a of a Peter Reporter Buccaneer magazine back in the day, back when we were like a weekly newsprint um, mm -hmm. magazine. When when you led the the Bucks and sacks to start the season, I think you had like four or five yeah, out of the gate. Yeah, four and a half or something. Yeah, four and a half. Like yeah. Six weeks of the year, yeah. Yeah, I, Warren was not really happy with me about that. He's like, "We didn't put Narby on the cover, you know, and all that." So, well the, well, the problem with that was, I mean, obviously Warren got many more opportunities to rush yeah. the quarterback than I did. But what, usually, whenever I was inserting into a blitz, Warren was running a stunt to get the guys get guys right. Out. He was your setup man, yeah. right? He was like my setup guy. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was really because him moving guards and centers out of the way. That I was able to, you know, you know, get past uh, running backs coming across formations and, and get right back field. But later on, after many years of doing that, teams were very wise what we were doing. So yeah. eventually, I had to I had to start figuring out ways to beat tackles and 
yeah. tight ends and whoever else they put inside of me. I mean, later in my career, they were, you know, that whole 55s of Mike, like yeah. later in my yeah. career, they were like 20s of Mike. <laughs> <laughs> not, People are at home probably like, what? I am not the center of this defense <laughs> right now. Right. That's great. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Matt, uh, let, let's uh, let's ask your next question there. Let's let's head down the list here. Yeah, sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about today's uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team going into the 2023 season. Obviously, uh, training camps right around the corner in the yeah. next coming days. Uh, just what's your overall viewpoint uh, of this team? What's what's your outlook of it? Can they make the postseason again and compete in the in the NFC South division? What are your thoughts there? No, well, nobody seems to think they can. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, let's just be honest. This team uh, mortgaged themselves pretty heavily yeah. to be in the position they were the last three years. They won a Super Bowl and made the playoffs two times. Two times subsequently. Uh, I mean, really, it worked. They, they could have gone back to back. That yeah, year, it, it worked. That, 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 that two years ago, and it worked. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this has been a, a, a franchise that had been on the low end of expectation for a long time. And, yeah. uh, you know, the moves that Jason and his and his guys made uh, really put this team in a position to win and win now. It's what they needed to do. Um, so losing the best quarterback of all time would presumably mean that they're going to take a step back. But right. as I look at it, there's still a whole lot of talented players on this team. Man. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of talented players. I mean, on offense – you can name five guys that could be considered the tops of their positions, right? Yeah. Both wide receivers. Obviously, if Tristan Wirfs is good a left guard, left tackle as he is a right tackle. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he's one of the best players all in the league, all all positions. Uh, Ryan Jensen, he was coming off a Pro Bowl year before he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I I look at the quarterback situation and say if that position gets right. If Dave Canales figures out how to make this friendly for whomever's playing quarterback there, this could be a really good offensive team. And I know they have questions up front. Four guys playing new positions, yada, yada, yada who cares? Like, we'll figure – this team's good enough to figure this out. And yeah. I think Luke Gedeke going to right tackle is probably a benefit for him. Um, I think he was probably more suited to that position, even though he didn't fit that mold. It's yeah. funny because when you come out of college – yeah. guy that's playing tackle, they somehow say, he's probably going to be a better guard. Let's right. just put him in guard. And yeah. he, he tried that. Right. He wasn't great at guard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he might be really good at tackle, and we'll get a chance to see that. So um, so on that side of the ball. And then you look at the other side of the ball, and, I mean, two of the best line combination middle linebackers in football. Um, yeah. uh, Devin didn't play his best year last year but he's a hell of a player man right great athlete um when he figures out if when he wants to be the best linebacker in football he yeah. will be the best linebacker in football i 100 agree i said that going into last year's preseason i'll say the same thing Volante is so consistent and if yeah. jack barrett comes in and at least gets halfway back to what he was right they're better up front uh and then look i think carlton davis and jamel dean are a great combination uh, at corner. Can they get more turnovers? Absolutely. Right. A good combination of players, right? There, you can somewhat rely on them uh, to be 30 game in and game out, game in and game out, 
And then Antoine Winfield Jr. is probably, you know, top 10 safety in the league. So there's good players on this roster. It's just the expectations of Super Bowl, playoff, playoff, have everybody thinking they're in for a a major. But the NFC South is is still there for the taking, right? My number one point is who else in the NFC South is take this by the horns and go. I mean, I, I mean, here, here's a fun fact. Baker Mayfield is the only quarterback in the NFC South with a playoff win under his right, belt. Right. And Baker Mayfield, uh, to be honest with you, is probably in a better situation than he was not only in Carolina, but maybe yeah. in Cleveland. Uh, he played for a great quarter, quarterback, for, or, or, but great coach as quarterback for a month when he was in mm-hmm. L.A., right? And I think we saw at the end of the year – Baker's a gamer, man. You just got yeah. to be in a position to, to work with his strengths. I don't know that they did that in Cleveland. Right. Um, um, uh, and I didn't study him enough to really know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know how talented he is. I mean, I yeah. played golf with this dude a couple of weeks ago when yeah. we were out in Tahoe. Uh, and he's golfing left-handed. And I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised by that. What the? And he throws right-handed. <laughs> and he goes, he, he made a joke of it. He goes, well, obviously I'm confused. He was hitting the ball over the place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a talented guy, man. And he's got great personality. Dude's mm-hmm. dude. Like, he has one over the locker room. It feels like he's as comfortable here as he's ever been yeah. in any other place. And I, and I don't know that for a fact, but he seems like he's comfortable here. So I think he's ready to, for this competition with, with, with Kyle. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he comes out on top of it. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so preseason for I'm looking forward to covering that aspect of this team. Yeah. Rondé, one thing that you've taught me, and you've taught me a lot of things as I've covered this team for going on 28 years now. But one of the things that you really taught me was, and this is kind of indirectly, you know, there was, there was a little time where you and I, we didn't have a beef, but I kind of disrespected you. You know, I, I, everybody did Scott. You were yeah. Just- <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but the, the lesson I learned was, um, you know, what is, is not always what will be right. Because we make these snap judgments and it's either, you know, you know, like Luke Edicke, you mentioned him, right. And, and what I tell people is, listen, Luke Edicke might end up being a bust, right. He might not work out at right tackle. The, the arm length might not be there, but you can't take what he did last year as a rookie and 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 sentence him to bust them over that because of Rondé Barber. And I'm not saying he's going to become Rondé Barber, a Bucks Ring of Honor Hall of Fame guy, but but I'm not going to say he, he's not going to be either because I would have never said that about you in 97 or even 98 or even 99. But but with with the snap judgments in, in today's Twitter verse, or I guess it's X verse now, um <laughs> Uh, but I always I always look at you when I'm when I'm evaluating and judging young players and whether it's JTS or Logan Hall or Luke Gedeke, you got to give these guys time to rise or fall on their own, right? Right. I totally agree. I mean, and and I wouldn't put want to put those expectations on anybody. I, I, it took me more than a year. I mean, yeah. I was I was two years, three years in uh, before it felt like I even had a foothold, much yeah. less you know. This uh, this moniker of being uh, one of the best, and then eventually a Hall of Famer. It, it takes time, and the only time, the only way you learn really is by doing. If I would have, yeah. if, if Anthony Parker wouldn't have got hurt in 1998, that's right. He got hurt in 1998, and yeah. I had a chance to play. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt that year, who knows where I would be? Mm-hmm. No, no idea if I would be Bucks Ring of Honor, much less a Hall of Famer. 
but it happened, and I got an opportunity to play. Luke's going to get an opportunity to play. Like Logan Hall's going to get an opportunity to play more snaps next year. Like those those guys, you either take your opportunity or you you get moved on from. That's yeah. That's, yeah. that's the bottom. That's the bottom. Right. And now we have an opportunity. So to your point, yeah, you can't judge anybody off a year. I mean, you can judge yeah. Tristan Wirfs off a year and say, yes, best <laughs> amazing, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, but a guy who had had success and both of those dudes did in college, uh, um, you got to expect that the next step is coming, and you and you hope that they're in the right situation where where it takes off for them because it only helped this team, and that's really yeah. that's all we care about. We want this yeah. team to be successful. We have a, a couple more questions for Rondé, who's been very gracious with his time. But, of course, we also got to talk about the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, Celsius Energy Drinks. They're always coming out with new flavors. You could check out the Cosmic Five right now, which is a sparkling fruit punch. Can't go wrong with the lemon-lime or the orange as well, or the Arctic Five. Uh, no sugar, no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with uh, another product out there. We absolutely love Celsius for the variety of flavors that they have. If you want to know where to find one, go to the Celsius store locator on their website, punch in your address, and it will show you the closest geographical location where you can pick one up. You can go get one at your local Walmart, Target, your convenience store, or Say your it, bodega. Matt. Your bodega. Bodega. And uh, once you go to your bodega and you know you love Celsius energy drinks so much, you want to get them in bulk, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save. Get that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. You can have it sent to your residence every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Rondé, we talked a little bit about uh, Carlton Davis and uh, Jamel Dean. I think one of the most exciting things about them is they really thrive in those top matchups against other great wide receivers like Carlton against Jamar Chase last year, I think was, was yeah. a really fun matchup to watch. Uh, how do you assess their play uh, throughout right. the years, especially last season? And is it really just the lack of turnovers that's stopping either of them from really making the pro bowl or getting those uh, all pro accolades? Yeah. And do you want and, and do you want to see Carlton play more cat coverage as Raheem oh, would say? Cr- trust me. Yes. Before we go there, I forgot to mention Vita Vea is, yeah. <laughs> How did I forget Vita in that conversation? <laughs> right. um, but yeah, those two guys, turn, turnovers tell, tell the story in this game. Your ability yeah. to take the ball away uh, is what separates uh, Trayvon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Might not be the best uh, technical corner in football from guys that are really technically sound, like mm-hmm. Carlton Davis and uh, assuming all pro honors and getting pro bowl nods and finding that popularity outside of your, your market. Um, yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, my first, and I can only relate this to me, my first three years in uh, playing in the NFL, 98, 99 and 2000, I had two interceptions a year. I had yeah. six interceptions in four years in yeah. my NFL career. That is yawning, right? right. It's like, who the hell is that guy? And I know he's Tiki Barber's brother. Is any good? Yeah. And then 10. Yeah. Lead the league interceptions. Change the trajectory of the way people perceive me. Like Carlton Davis had four interceptions a couple years ago. That's right. You want that to be his benchmark, right? Because that's – honestly, he's in position enough to make 
those type of plays. You just got to cash in on them. It, it's yeah. got to be important to them to take the ball away. Um, and one of the, the emphasis is uh, when I was playing, obviously, was turnovers. We, it's the only thing Monty talked about and the only thing Tony Dungy talked about. You know, quarterbacks can hit you in the face. Are you going to catch it? Can you, yeah. can you take the ball away? It's the only thing that matters. These two dudes have that ability. First of all, they look nothing like me. They're four inches taller right. <laughs> and arms that can touch their knees. And they yeah. both are four, three guys. Like the skill set, when I talk about metrics, their yeah. metrics jump off the page. I mean, there's yeah. reason why uh, Jamel Dean was such a, a highly coveted uh, free agent this year. Regardless, yeah. you know, regardless he doesn't have the, the numbers to, to say that he was the top one. I mean, you just look at what he's working with and you're – he should be very, very productive. Right. And I think when that production starts to follow what they look like, everybody will know who they are. And yeah. his defense will be better for it. Um, there's a lot of good players in this league that just don't have the production. So they yeah. kind of hide in the background on rosters. But people that evaluating them, you know, the, the Buck Scouts and you know John Spitek and uh, Mike Beal, who recruited both of these guys out of college, they know what these guys can do. Yeah, They're absolutely 100% assured of what they can do. They just need to do it. They need to produce. And once they do, there won't be any. There won't be these questions any longer. You know, right. Because they are good enough. Both of those guys are good enough. And to be honest with you, not having Sean Murphy here anymore probably yeah. helps them. And yeah. I don't mean that as a slight against Sean, but mm -hmm. it gives them, uh, in my mind at least, uh, that – that partnership that right. hey, it's us and mm -hmm. they take it as such like Brian Kelly and I did. Hey, yeah. this is us right now. Right. This is, this is our room. And I remember it's funny because in 98, 1998, go back to that year. I remember when Brian was a rookie, I was a second year guy, Anthony Parker got hurt and they're like, which one of these two guys can play? Neither one of them are good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. We took that to mean something and, mm -hmm. and used it for, the betterment of both of us. Um, I would love to see these guys do the same um, because they are so damn talented, man. So talented. Yeah. Well, speaking of talent, no one's denying the talent of Zion McCollum. And again, he's probably one of those guys we can lump in with Luke Gedeke, right? In terms of, you yeah. know, mi missed some tackles, gave up some perimeter runs. This guy had 15 interceptions in college in five years at Sam Houston. Didn't pick off a pass. Uh, what have you seen from, from Zion McCollum, I'm hearing from my sources he was one of the most improved players in the OTAs. Yes. And but but it's a physical game. The pads got to come on, and you got to step up and show up. And and what's your take on Zion McCollum? Yeah, you just uh, I mean it, it's like that your first year. You get an opportunity to play, and sometimes the moment's too big, right? And whether or not that's his preparation, whether or not that's you know, his just adjusting to the to the, to the moment, but. College football, pro football, yeah. they're different, dude. Yeah. They are not. Sam Houston, the NFL, right? <laughs> I mean, it's. I don't, I don't <laughs> Playing against Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, right. Tom Brady in practice every day. Like Alabama's probably the only program where corners come into the league ready to play. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. every, everyone else is. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different step. Yeah. It, it happens so much faster. There's so much more intricacies to what's happening in front of you. And you could tell he just wasn't ready for it. Um, yeah. Whether he's prepared or not, he just wasn't ready for it because he had opportunities to play. And uh, when you're a rookie and you get opportunities to play and you kind of fall flat a little bit, right? 
that's all of a sudden what you are because ultimately you only are what you put on tape. Yeah. And, and I watched the tape and there were moments where I was like, damn it. <laughs> but the good thing about having failure is it just sets you up for success later. It, yeah. it really does. Um, and he's got tape to look at. So if he studies himself, he understands, you know, maybe where his, his miscarriages were, uh, right. he can be better. And right. And he can use that as something to stand on going forward. He can, he can look at this, this podcast and be like, damn it, that Rondé doubt my ass. Right? <laughs> People doubted me, man. Yeah. And I used it. It's fuel. He should right. use it. Um, and take his next opportunity and show everybody else why Scott Reynolds was wrong about them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I am wrong from time to time, and, and it's it works out great sometimes, too, so I'm really excited about that. It's um, uh, it's kind of like what we just talked about with Luke Edicke earlier. Like, one season isn't going to define yeah. the rest yeah. of your career, so I think Zion can do the same. Uh, just one last question for me, Rondé, and thanks again for all your time. Very gracious with it. Um, just what are the strengths and weaknesses of this Buccaneers team looking at it? Um, well, the weaknesses are their youth and inexperience and depth. They don't, they don't have a lot of it. When I'm looking at, uh, OTAs, the one time, uh, two days that I went out there, mm-hmm. I, there was a lot of people on the roster I had never seen before. Um, their strength to me is their, their top in positions. I think across the board, you're looking at their roster and saying you can win with this roster. Uh, especially on defense. This this kid right here, uh, Elijah Kansas, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I think he transforms the way that Todd Bowles plays defense. He's never really had, not that I can remember anyways, yeah. a guy in this mold, uh, uh, and I'm not going to say Aaron Dottle mold, but right. the quick, explosive um, three technique, and it's different three technique because obviously they play a three, four, so right. novices out there. Three technique is is uh warren sap yeah. right he's yeah. aaron donald when he was playing um in the in a four three defense he's the under tackle away from the nose mm-hmm. we don't really have that in our system but you can right. create that just like the rams have done with aaron donald and this guy gave you a, a way to do that mm-hmm. and so the defense looks different we've always had these big huge you know six six 330 pound players playing next to vita right now this guy and yeah. it, it's a it's a it's a different you can get in different shades you can create different fronts you can create different looks uh and i don't know if you watched his college film oh yeah impressive mm-hmm. oh, man like wow wow so yeah. i'm excited for, for for what they can bring that's the strength their front end guys i think uh, are really good players yeah. um and just kind of hope they stay healthy i and, think one of the one i was gonna say one, one of the biggest question marks really is a position that's near and dear to your heart, right? We're talking about the, the nickel corner, right? right? With with Antoine moving back to free safety, right. D. Delaney is penciled in as a starter only because of his experience. But, but Rondi, there was a guy you and I kept a, a close eye on last year, right? Uh, uh, at, at Kansas State, we were out there watching uh, because your daughter, uh, Justice, dates R.J. Garcia, who's a right. wide receiver. I coached at Pop Warner, who now plays for the Wildcats. It's a crazy. Kevin Bacon, you know, seven degrees to six degrees separation, whatever it is, right? But it's this guy right here, Josh Hayes. I don't, I don't know if I want to put it out there, but Day Tid. Oh, Day Tid. Okay. <laughs> past tense. Okay. Yeah, All right. Josh Hayes, yeah, I watched him play. He was more of a hybrid kind of player at Kansas. Yeah. He didn't play direct corner. They actually had uh, 
couple of good corners. Uh, yeah. Kansas State. One is what second round draft pick of Indianapolis. Um, but yeah, Josh could fit that mold, and I think yeah. that's where Julius Brantz is who you're talking about went to right, the Colts. Right. Yeah, right. They that's they've kind of slotted them into into that position. Now he's got to go out there and do it. Yeah, he's got to go out there and show that he has the aptitude uh, to do it and the skill set uh, to do it. Last year, that position was Antoine Winfield Jr.'s, and Antoine's yeah. very instinctive. But yeah, there's yeah. a difference getting in there and having to play in certain man-to-man situations that I think just didn't suit Antoine right uh, perfectly. Um, now, could he get it done? Yeah, he did. I mean, he's but it, he he wasn't able to be his best self in there. I think right. the stated goal of moving him back to free safety and allow him to be more of what he was his first year in the league is right. So mm. is it D Delaney? Is it Josh Hayes? Is it some combination of them and Zion McCollum? Like who is going to fit in there? And I, I, one of the, obviously I, when I do their preseason games, I have a bunch of questions that I like to try to answer. Yeah. That's at the top of the list on defense. Right. Is that fifth defender? Uh, in today's NFL is is a starter. I mean, yeah. you, you have to count on to be on the field 60 to 70 percent of the snaps, if not. Right. More. Um, and it, it'll be one of the, the biggest, bigger decisions uh, in, in the, uh, in the on defense this, this coming up year. But I'd like to see Josh get a get a shot at. It. Obviously, we, yeah. we know we know that he's related to Gino. Yeah. He passed away a year or so ago. That's right. Um, um, so. You know, Josh Hayes, D. Delaney, Chris yeah. Izzy, and those are the three guys kind of working in, in the yeah. slot right now in the nickel. Personally, I'd like to see Josh take yeah. it on, but, you know, D. Delaney's got more experience and just watching some of the preseason or offseason practices, yeah. he, he seems comfortable in there. So for sure, we'll see, we'll see what happens uh, once the uh, once the real stuff starts happening here in a week or so. My final question for you, Rondé, is about this guy right here. My guy. And, yeah, I, I I really like Todd Bowles. I'm just going to put it out there. I, I like him. I like defensive head coaches. I know they're kind of a dying breed in this in this uh, day and age. We also love Dave Canales, too. We're not taking anything away from the offensive side of the ball. But this guy's the head coach, Todd Bowles. And uh, we have seen the Glaziers uh, go ahead and, you know, and, and have uh, sometimes – the trigger finger when it comes to head coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, Dirk Cutter got three years uh, because he had a nine and seven season, right? A winning season in there. Raheem Morris had three years on the job because he had a 10 and six season. Neither one of those guys made the playoffs, unfortunately. But we've also seen Lovey Smith get fired after two. We've seen Greg Schiano get fired after two. Todd Bowles, does he enter the 2023 season on the hot seat? Because you look at it, he made the playoffs, although they lost. They won the division, but it was with a losing record. How do you look at Todd Bowles and what he has to do in 2023? I would love to see Todd Bowles win and prove all of this irrelevant. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's the best way I can look at it, because I know how Todd would answer this question. He would say, I have no control over that. I mean, right. I'll ask him that question in the preseason broadcast. Hey, I have no control over that, Rondé. All I can do is go out and do my job and get these guys ready to play and win. That's and right. he's 100% correct. Now, that being said, I, I think he needs to win. Yeah. yeah. I think this is a – this is and he's in a tough situation. Um, um, with new quarterback, a brand-new offensive coordinator – yeah. Uh, it's going to change the scheme with a bunch of new players on that side of the ball, or at least guys playing in different positions. 
Um, and he has nothing to do with the offense. He right, is yeah, he's yeah, autonomous, yeah. right? He's controls the defense. Right. Dave, you get the offense. Right. And that's hey, that is what it is. It's part of your responsibility of head coach. John Gruden was the exact same way right. when he was coaching with Monty. It was we were autonomous. Monty could do whatever he wanted on yeah. his side of the ball. Uh, and it and it and it it, it works uh, for for the right people, but it needs to work for Todd because yeah. obviously he's a great defensive coordinator and he's a great mind. Uh, but he, I think he has a guy now uh, in, in Dave that is more suited to the way that he wants to play football. This is right. not this isn't Bruce Arians' Super Bowl team. Right. This is, mm-hmm. I know that we had the holdover last year with Byron Leftwich, uh, but you know seventy whatever three percent passing. Uh, uh, Per game, yeah, yeah right. That's, that's not the way Todd wants to play football. Yeah, you know, the, Todd Canales's Dave Canales's deep offenses. I'm sorry, have always, or at least last year, uh, relied on two tight end sets. Yeah, you know, eleven personnel, and when you have to spread them out, but two or three tight ends being available to the offense and run the ball, run the ball mid to wide zone. It makes it quarterback friendly for. Uh, uh, either Baker or Trask to get out of the pocket and create plays uh, on their own. I keep calling that the gamer. That's that, that. This offense seems to be set up for for Baker. I just I'll just say yeah. it the way it feels because Baker plays his best when he's on the move and you know being able and, and being able to work uh, out of out of the pocket. And I right. think this offense, the way that that the run game seems to be shaping up, will be that. So yeah. to get back to your question, Todd needs to win. Because it's this year, and the ex- his expectations are going to be for this team to win. Because yeah. of what we said this entire show, they are s- still have a lot of talent. Are they young? A lot of places they have a lot of new faces. Yes, but this is a team that has enough talent to win, and uh, I don't see any reason why they don't compete in the NFC South and try to make another playoff run. Even though everybody outside of the building says they're not, they're not capable. Yeah, Randy Barber, you are a winner, Super Bowl champion. You had all the talent in the world, all the toughness in the world. Uh, you're on the Bucks route, Mount Rushmore in my eyes, but honestly, you are pound for pound the toughest Buccaneer of all time. Yeah. Not not the biggest guy, but man, you 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 played the biggest in yeah. the biggest moments. John, John Gruden used to say that too, so I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Rondé, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on the Peter Report podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Peter people, for yeah. for joining us as well. It's been a, a historic uh, podcast for us, one of the best we've ever done. Congratulations again, my friend, for making yeah. the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Should have been sooner, but better late than never. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, just wishing you uh, well. We'll see you out there at training camp this week and then in Canton at, uh, on August 5th. Look forward to it, man. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah, thank you very much, Rondé. Yep. Congratulations. Be good, man. Yep, thank you. You as well. That's the legend right there, folks, Rondé Barber. And the reason why we we went orange uh, with with the creamsicle for there is is a little little uh, unknown story. Rondé Barber was scared to death when he got drafted by the Bucks in the third round back in 1997. He didn't realize that the Bucks had changed their jerseys just literally like a week or two before the draft, and he thought he would have to play in these uniforms his entire career. And and that's that's not the case. They they went to the 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 now infamous and, and famous pewter and red uniforms, and then Rondé was able to come back and play in the creamsicle uniforms just a couple of times when they were truly the throwbacks, and mm. and actually got to star in the cool creamsicle reveal just a couple of weeks ago. So 
Um, I, I think he likes the, the, the creamsicles now that he didn't have to wear them on a, on a weekly basis. <laughs> a little he, bit of a uh, history lesson for sure. Yeah, exactly. Pewter people, we love you guys. Thank you. You have, you have helped us get to 11,000 subscribers here on YouTube today, Matt. That's, it's been a, a great day for us. Having Rondé Barber in the house, getting to 11,000 subscribers on our Pewter Report TV YouTube channel. It's been huge. Yeah, absolutely. It's been gigantic. Thank you, everybody that uh, has followed us, liked our YouTube channel. Please, if you're not already doing so, uh, please follow us on our social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and threads. Twitter's now being called X. Either way, uh, we are at Pewter Report. And of course, our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV, where we have the podcast and various clips. And obviously, we'll have a lot more with training camp and press conferences coming up. So please follow, yep. like, and subscribe. It's been an awesome video, awesome episode of it the has. Pure Report Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow yeah, at 4 now, p.m. Here's the cool thing, Matt, because training camp starts this week. We're not going to shortchange you guys. We do have a, a little bit of breaking news. Jeremy Banks, the, the rookie inside linebacker for the Buccaneers, has been uh, let go. The team waived him. So there's a little bit of news. Uh, we didn't really want to interrupt Rondé for that news, uh, and understandably so. Um but Jeremy Banks uh, off the roster on the day before training camp starts. Um, haven't heard anything official from the team, but what I do know is that he uh, did not really ingratiate himself very well to the, to the team and the coaching staff. There were some off-the-field issues at Tennessee, kind of uh, followed him here a little bit. Sometimes, you know, what's the old saying, Matt? You know, a tiger can't change his stripes or a leopard can't change yeah. his spots, whatever it is. Had you know? some off-the-field issues and, yeah. uh, you know, didn't seem like it It uh, really worked out too much since he joined the, the Buccaneers. But obviously there's going to be a lot more moves to come over the next two months with yeah. the uh, with training camp and the season coming on. Tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about Bucks training camp battles, which ones we are most paying attention to, which ones are most exciting. We're going to talk about that and everything else in between. And then – Bucks Wednesday. kick off training camp Wednesday. Training camp arrives. It's open to the media. It's not open to uh, the public, I believe. So uh, we'll be there, of course, to yep. reveal all the uh, information that we can talk about um, yep. at training camp. Uh, Write-ups, everything. Four o'clock podcasts all yes. this week. We're going back to the yep. four o'clock uh, time frame because we're kind of like in season now. There yep. will be... A couple of primetime podcasts that we'll do. but Especially but, uh, on the day of games, like preseason yes. games, things like that. We'll, we'll yep. be uh, at night after the games. But plan for 4 o'clock. We don't want Bucks fans to wait. We want to give you the news right. as soon as possible. So that's why we're going to go at 4 p.m. Uh, starting tomorrow as well. So that's going to do it for us on today's show. For Scott Reynolds, for NFL Hall of Famer Rondé Barber. All those career accolades right there on the Man, screen. I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Ronde. Hall Thank of you, Ronde. Thank you very much, Ronde.